You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. and welcome to the Corporate Quitter Podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Ionello, and today's guest is an entrepreneur, author, music producer, and what he likes to call a mischief maker. Seth Erickson offers up his unbashed, unfiltered take on using storytelling to grow your startup and communicate your values to investors and the market at large. So Seth, thank you so much for coming on. I know storytelling is such an important thing, especially for small businesses and startups. So I think my listeners will really, really find value in this. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. My name is Seth Erickson. I'm the chief mischief maker for Storyfy Agency. And essentially what we do is kind of a branding agency that focuses on storytelling. Yeah, pretty much what Gabby said is on point. You know, we work with people on how to tell an effective story so that they can communicate their value to the marketplace or, you know, in startups cases, investors, so that they can effectively sell their products and uh, build relationships with their customers. That's so awesome. I know that just from my own experience, I've actually started to reach out to people to get more insight about messaging and just you know vision in general. And I'm noticing as my business grows, those things I need to figure it out sooner than later because it's just going to go. It's going to go downward real fast if I don't hone in on it. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I I tell people about vision is if you have a business that you're trying to build and you're trying to grow, if you don't have a vision for your business, it's like having a car without a steering wheel. Right. Like you can push on the gas and you can make things go forward or you can slow them down or you can stop. But eventually, without that steering wheel, you you may end up going off of a cliff. That's not a good place to be in, or you'll just get lost. So can you give, you know, our members a bit of a background on like how you fell into this? Like, have you always been a person who was an expert in storytelling? Like I know you kind of intertwine neuroscience in what you do. And you know, obviously it takes a specific person to know the foundational pieces of business in order to put all those things together, right? And how to hack a human, essentially. So what's your story? Where'd you you know, learn all this? Yeah. So as far as the storytelling piece goes, I had a friend of mine who gave me a really good book called Story Wars by Jonas Sachs. And he gave me the book because he was like, dude, you're a storyteller. And my first response to him was like, great. How the hell do I make money as a storyteller? Because being a storyteller isn't one of those degrees that you get in college, right? Like, you can take lit classes, right? And you can learn a little bit about storytelling, but like really to dive in, into the art of it, like you kind of have to go on on your own research journey. And so he gave me the book and I read it and was like, oh, this guy runs an agency, which at the time I was running a web design agency. And it really resonated with me. And because it resonated with me, I decided that I needed to start learning a lot more about this storytelling thing that he was talking about. And so I ended up reading over 50 books on the topic. And I mean, I read everything like how to write a screenplay using storytelling, how to write a novel using storytelling, how to use stand-up comedy, which is a lot of storytelling, right? So the art of storytelling is being applied in different areas in different ways. And through that process, I started noticing that some of the books would reference neuroscience in the discussion about story. And so I started reading really, really boring-ass research papers on the topic of like what is happening to the human brain when people engage with story, learning that there was a whole backing of science to this idea of storytelling. And there was a lot of stuff that we either kind of knew or assumed, but it wasn't until we could actually start hooking people's brains up and scanning them that we started to realize, oh, wow, this stuff's really powerful and really effective. That was kind of how I got into it. And 
you know, it's kind of a continuing education course, right? Like, because in the book, I talk a lot about the sales and marketing aspects of it, but there's even deeper areas where it crosses over into psychology and, you know, what is the story you're telling yourself and, you know, mindset stuff and things like that. I'm still wanting to dig into. I wish I I had more about that, but that maybe make for a second book. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so that's, that's kind of how I fell into it. You know, for me as a child, I was apparently always a storyteller. There's a story that my mom likes to tell, which is that when I was younger, like preschool, she went to pick me up from school one day and the teacher came out and met her and she automatically assumed that I had done something wrong, right? Because I was that rambunctious kid who was always doing something wrong. So let's just call a spade a spade. (laughs) I mean, based on what you told me about you having a sense of humor, I can only imagine she was probably like, what in the, what does he do now? Like, come on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the teacher, you know, basically said, your son did something we've never seen any of the kids do before. And my mom is now thinking I've really done something crazy, right? (laughs) Like I've set something on fire. And uh, it wasn't that it was that they have this little, like a cognitive test where they basically put three pictures and it illustrates like a continuation of three things happening in these three panels. And so what most kids do is they look at the three panels and they just say, here's what's happening in this panel. Here's what's happening in this panel. And here's what's happening in this panel. In my case, like, you know, the first panel is like a rabbit. The next panel is like a stick on the ground. And the third panel is, you know, a bear holding a stick. So a lot of kids would just look at it and they'd say the rabbit gave the bear a stick. Right. And that's great. Like that's where you're supposed to be at that level of life. Me, on the other hand, I gave the rabbit a name. I gave the bear a name. I started talking about the plans that they were going to have together. You know, once they got the stick, they were going to go down to the lake and they were going to go fishing. And like, I'm just going on and on and on and on and on. And they apparently found that to be (laughs) abnormal, I guess, is a way. Well, but in a good way, because like, so I used to be a nanny and I mean, I was raising basically a two month old, a two year old and a five year old. And like, there's a clear, clear difference between, you know, a two-year-old telling a story and a five-year-old and like, you know, you, there's the rambling and nothing actually makes sense and they never finish it. And there's the questions. And like, so the fact that you could have not only a complete sentence, but a very well thought out story that made sense and, and had, you know, it's almost like you're writing a novel by an adult, but in a child's body. That's awesome. Obviously you're a storyteller straight from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've always, I mean, the reason my friend, gave me the book in the first place is he's like, dude, every time I talk to you, you have a story. Like there's always something going on and you are telling these really entertaining stories and whatnot. And and he was like, so part of the reason this discussion came up was because, you know, running a web design business, I came out of design school and I thought I'm a designer. Right. And so there was kind of a mismatch between who I was and who I thought I was. And the mismatch came because I did design I won awards for it. I was able to sell it to customers. So I thought, I'm a designer. That's what I do, right? Because I'm making money at it. So that must be my thing. And I started growing dissatisfied in my business because I didn't feel like I was helping my clients as well as I wanted to. I would design a beautiful website for them. They would absolutely love it. We put up several websites and won awards and stuff, and they were excited about that. But then when I would ask them, are you getting more business? No. Okay. Uh, well, crap. (laughs) When I was younger, like it didn't matter to me as much, but as I got older, it started to matter more to me because I was like, well, I want to make some sort of an impact here. And 
it was weird to me that my clients would be excited and happy to pay me a lot of money and excited about the work, but they weren't going, what's the return, right? Because I was asking that question. I wanted to know, like, did we make an impact? Are people contacting you more? Are you selling more products? Like, and, and the answer was like, no, they either weren't measuring it or they weren't really worried about it. And I was like, well, I think that's really important. And so when my friend said, okay, you know, you should read this book because you're a storyteller. The guy who wrote the book was an agency owner and he did a lot of animation stuff. So it made sense for him to understand how a story works. Well, I started to kind of realize that like, at the end of the day, you're dealing with humans and how do you communicate with humans? Well, it's your words, whether they're written on a computer screen or in a book, or you're talking to somebody, you have to use words to communicate with other humans. So storytelling started, in my mind, become an effective method for doing that, right? Because of all the, th- the stuff I was learning by reading you know, books by Joseph Campbell and Robert McKee and Lisa Cron and, and others, that's kind of what took me down this path of going, wait a minute, I thought I was a designer, but I'm actually a storyteller. And I'm actually just getting right back to where I was when I was a kid. But like, you know, you grow up and you think, well, I could do this to make money and I could do that to make money, but that's not necessarily your purpose. It's a skill that you have. The skill and the purpose don't always line up. And so I've kind of through that journey come back to where I started, if you will. Yeah. But I find that too, you know, if you were to do what you're doing now, like embracing the storyteller that you are, sure, maybe you could have wrote some books, yes, help business, but I'm finding being really salesy and being like gimmicky and like making a quick buck and like making things pretty and that's it to now value-based impact-driven, like client-first, customer-service-centric. Like We're moving from a different business model into one of the customers, right? We're always providing value, like doing those things. And that's why storytelling is so important. I mean, it's always been important for X amount of years or done X thing. But I think now people are recognizing that they need to intertwine who they are, what they stand for, their past, their future, and all of those things so they communicate effectively to their customers, which then lead to like, you know, sales and followings and all that stuff. Yeah. The funny thing about this whole thing is that storytelling is where we started, right? Like before we were even doing cave paintings, we had to communicate with one another. We had to work together. We had to have a way to pass information from generation to generation. So it's always been a part of us and every culture has stories, right? Like it's not like, oh, this group over here figured out storytelling and none of the rest of these did. (laughs) They all figured it out. We've done all the anthropology and whatnot to go, oh, wait, there's this similarity between all these different cultures over time as they develop, they continue to pass information from one generation to the next through stories. You know, some of it was basic stuff like hunt here, don't hunt there, eat this thing, don't eat that thing do this in the wintertime, do this in the summertime, that information was passed through a story. And that's why you know you can look at things like the Bible, for instance, is 98% story. And it's I think it's done that way on purpose, but also it is the way that humans best communicate and best understand each other is when you tell a story versus just giving them a bunch of facts and figures or you know, shouting at them for their attention. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love like stories. Like that's why I read memoirs. It's my favorite genres because there's a story intertwined with like an autobiographical type of, you know, book. Like I find autobiography so boring because it's mostly just like facts and this happened and that happened. And even like 
business books can be a little dry, but then there's that one like unicorn, if you will, every so often, like I just read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which was such an amazing book because it focuses on storytelling. Like I not only learned a ton about investing in real estate and right money and stuff and mindset, of course, but he does such a good job of telling his story and embedding it in educating that it was like, I couldn't put it down. I read it in like a day. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, like with my book, I tell a story about storytelling, right? Because it wouldn't make sense to do it any other way. <laughs> but yeah, up to seven different parts of the human brain light up when somebody hears a story, right? Like that's stuff we can see now because we can hook up diodes and all this different stuff to people and see what's going on. Whereas only two parts of the brain light up when you hear facts and figures. And that's why anybody who's been in the corporate world has had the experience of sitting there watching a presentation for like an hour, a hundred slides and walking out of there going, I don't remember half of what that person said. Literally. (laughs) God, I I feel like that was most of my corporate experience was just like, just basically information being thrown at me or people talking at me and me not capturing a fucking single thing. Like, and not because I didn't care. It's just like the dry presentations and this like, oh, it's so boring. Like just, Yeah. What the brain scans have showed us is that when you hear, you know, those facts and figures and things like that, only two parts of the brain light up. It's basically your audio cortex to hear and then your language comprehension cortex to understand the words that people are saying. But that's it. So what happens is when you hear a story, it's like all those different parts of the brain light up and it allows that information to be passed around the brain in a way that the brain actually understands what you're saying. And the other thing that happens is we also create a simulation in our heads when people are telling us a story and we actually put ourselves in that situation and we actually start to feel and experience what it might be like in their situation, which is one of the things that helps us connect with other humans, right? Like if we just have facts and figures, we can't connect to that because the other parts of the brain aren't lit up and engaged. So you're only, let's say 20% engaged in those type of boring corporate speaks, whereas you would be almost 100% engaged if somebody told you that same information, but using a story to present that data to you. Yeah. I love that you touched on the neuroscience of it because there, it is a science, right? It's not just for marketing. I mean, it is, right? But at the same time, you're not doing storytelling just from checking off a box. You're doing it because it does so many other things for the body. And also, like I would say, whether it's based on neuroscience or not, like I actually like have joy and experience happiness when someone tells me a story or I read a story, or let's say we watch TV, that's a story that's just in motion, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as humans, we're always telling stories. Some of us are better at it than others naturally, just like any other gift or skill. And the thing that I always try to point out is like a lot of people don't realize that they're storytellers, just like they don't spend a lot of time thinking about their breathing, right? It's just something you yeah. do naturally. So a lot of what we're trying to do with the book and in the business and whatnot is educate people that like, if you take this skill and you improve it and become stronger at it, you will have more effect in your business and you'll be able to connect with your audience at a deeper level, as opposed to, like I said, just throwing facts and figures at them and going, well, I hope, I hope they buy my stuff, right? Like if you can resonate with people at a deeper level, then you can build a relationship with them over time, you know? Totally. What are the characteristics of a good story and how can someone be better at it? Cause like, my example, like I'm a great speaker 
and I'm pretty good storyteller, but my brother, he can hook you in and he's hilarious. And he always does like the punchline, right? Like he just has a better way of making people laugh and doing it differently than I do. It's more methodical for me. For those listening who don't have that gift or maybe semi in the way of being better at it, how do they even get to that point of being confident or getting to be an actual good storyteller? Yeah. So I think it's understanding the basic ingredients. So the most common story pattern that we have is the hero's journey. And again, that goes back to the fact that like, you know, you can pick a story out of ancient China and you could pick a story from Native American culture and you would see the same kind of thing. There's these ups and downs. There's the call to adventure. There's all, there's a hero, there's a villain, there's a low point and a high point in how the story is told. And so understanding the basic ingredients of like, if you're a business owner, then quite often you're in business to solve a problem, right? Well, you as the business owner have to position yourself as the mentor, right? Like that's the Obi-Wan Kenobi character or Hamish and Hunger Games or any number of other situations. And you have to realize that you're the mentor that is going to help the hero, right? Because all your customers are heroes in their own hero's journey. So understanding that helps you think about how to tell a story differently because a lot of companies get caught up in this idea of like making themselves the hero. Like I'm going to come in and save you and fix your problem. And it's like, no, your your hero is looking for somebody to fix their problem that has experience and can understand what they're going through. So knowing who your hero is, right? That's essentially your customer. Knowing what the villain is, you know, in the customer's life. That's usually the problem that you're solving, right? Knowing what that villain is doing to the customer, knowing how the customer feels about that situation. And then, you know, being able to define for the customer or the hero using what we'd call future pacing, what life looks like on the other side of that. Too often people sell a service or a product and they get really hung up on the features. Oh, it can do this and it can do this and it can do this. But customers don't always equate that to, oh, that will solve my problem. Right. And so by telling a clear story, and often, you know, we advise people on just starting with the problem, right? Right off the bat, start with the problem because that's usually where the emotion is. And if you don't have any emotion, then nobody takes any action. Uh, in the book, I talk about a, a neuroscientist who was working with a guy who had damage to his frontal cortex. I can't, it was an accident or something like that. So he basically had no emotion. The example they gave is that the guy would go to the store. And then he would just stand in front of the milk and not know which one to purchase because he didn't feel one way or the other about 1% or low fat or coconut milk versus regular milk. He had no emotion to push you know, his decision-making forward. And so he would just stand there for like an hour and then he would come home and not buy anything because he just couldn't make up his mind. So, wow. um, so the point there being that part of telling a good story is also to create emotion you know, in your customers. Well, I mean, it's funny you say that story because like literally I'm like, did he buy anything? Did he go back and get the milk? Like I need to know now. No, no, he couldn't make any any decisions. They actually, I think they had to do a bunch of work with him to like almost create like a rule set so he could go, okay. Do stuff. Do this, yeah. don't, don't do that because he just couldn't figure it out on his own. And like I said, it was because of that damage to the frontal cortex, which is where you're, you have emotion. So... So these types of things are important as well. And you want to be able to invoke some sort of emotion in your customer. It may be positive feelings. Uh, it may be negative feelings, right? Like uh, either way, you can spur your customers into action through evoking that emotion. So 
that is also one of the things that storytelling does, right? Like, because if you can create that simulation, put yourself in that situation, and then start asking, what would I do in this situation? Some sort of emotion is going to happen. Like I said, that's why, you know, we often say, you know, start with a problem. The problem is the pain that your customers are feeling. They're going to have an emotion about that. Now, do you understand that problem? And how deeply do you understand that problem? You know, can you talk about it at depth as opposed to just talking about it in a very surface way? You know, these are all important aspects to telling a good story. And so, I mean, with that too, like, I know that obviously story is important, but like, then you talk about things like vision, which for me, when I first started in business, I don't even know who the fuck my niche is. I don't know shit about what I'm doing. So for someone to throw at me, you have to have your vision set and your pillars and you have to have your story. And it's kind of like, well, I don't know what to start with first. What do I need to do? Where do I like, can you kind of elaborate what the difference is between the two and which is more important if that's even a question? Yeah. So I define vision as a future state of where you're trying to go. Right. Like it's like planning a trip. Let's say you're like, I want to go to New York. Well, how are you going to get to New York? Are you going to walk? Are you going to bike? Are you going to drive your car? Are you going to take a train? Are you going to fly? That aspect of understanding how you're going to do that thing is your mission. These are the actions we're going to take today to try to get to that future place. I find that a lot of people, when they start business, they don't have a vision. And I don't think that's a terrible thing. Right. Like if you have a skill and you're getting customers, that's okay. For the time being, I think it's something that you should work on over time. And sometimes that becomes clear through just your experience in business. With us, our vision is to see the startup failure rate reduced by 10%. That didn't come to me when I first started the business, right? Like we worked with a lot of startups and we saw a lot of failure and things going wrong, but it wasn't immediately apparent that, like, that's what our vision should be. That's the goal that we want to work towards. The other thing that's important about vision is it really shouldn't be about you. I often say that... I have a lot of sayings about visions, I guess, but <laughs> I often say that building a strong vision is like building a house that other people can see themselves living in. When you have a good vision, you inspire other people to join you on the journey because it's not about you, right? Like I've talked to other business owners and they're like, my vision is to make $2 million by next year. And I'm like, that's not a vision, dude. That's a goal. Yeah. But again, right. I wouldn't know when I first started, I barely have a grip on it now. And I'm like six months into having my business like full-time going. So, I mean, it takes time, but I do love also that you touched on when we had first initially spoken that there's a difference between like vision and mission too. Cause now, right. That's another thing to throw into the, mm-hmm. into the fire. You're like, okay, you got vision, you got mission, you got goals, you got storytelling, like all these things that make a business. So like, what is mission then? If it's not vision. Yeah. So mission is just the how-to. So like I said, we're going to go to New York. Well, how are we going to go to New York? For us, our vision is to reduce the startup failure rate. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to start educating people on storytelling. Like That's our mission. The more people that we can educate on storytelling, the more effective people will communicate. That should bring us closer to our goal of reducing the failure rate by 10%. It won't solve all the problems, but it'll solve the problem that we are specifically working towards, which is helping people be better communicators. So that's our mission is to educate, empower, and equip startups with better communication skills. The two are connected, but one is where you want to go and one is how you're going to get there. So that's kind of how I break those up. And then when you understand how you want to get there, then you can start setting goals. Well, I want to do this thing to get to this place. I want. It's almost like, okay... We know we're going to New York, we're going to fly. And then the goals are like, well, what are we packing? 
you know, what are we going to take there, right? There's all those little things that need to start coming together so that you can start your journey, if you will. (laughs) And, you know, when you start your business, you're not always going to know all those things, right? And so it, it starts coming together over time. So I wouldn't, anybody who's listening to this, I wouldn't beat yourself up if you don't have a vision. Some people start a business with a vision and that's great. And some people don't because like I said, they just have a skill and they're getting paid and they're like, this is good. I like food and shelter. So yeah, that's how I define it is vision is a future state, whereas mission is what you're going to do today to get there. And then your goals are are everything that you can kind of measure against. Am I moving forward? Am I moving the needle? Do I have all my socks packed? Do I have my, my toiletries? Do I have you know, all these things together so that I can take that flight and get to that location? Can you give an example of, let's say, like a fitness business or something like with that same exact the mission, the vision and all that stuff, just so that people can understand from a business perspective, not just like a nice vacation to New York, <laughs> not to put you on the spot, to... but I figured since you're an expert, fuck it, right? Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's, let's do this. Let's, yeah. So obviously, if you're like a fitness gym or something, you know, the vision, again, should be some sort of future state, but it also should be a big goal, right? Like if you go for a little goal of like... I want to get 100 signups in my business next month, then like I said, that's a goal. It's not a vision. Whereas like a fitness owner may be like, I want to open a gym in every major city in my state. right? And, and the reason I want to do this is XYZ. I want to... you know, Our state has a obesity epidemic and I want to make it as easy as possible for people to, to get the proper training, nutrition, support they need to yes. you know you. close the gap between <laughs> yeah so you know if you base it off of like this idea of like there's an obesity epidemic in our state and i think we can help people we need to have more gyms to do that that's all future stuff that has to be built up towards and then from there you you might say okay well we need to i don't know i don't know anything about running gyms so <laughs> i'm just totally pulling this out of my ass here uh, <laughs> I love it though. I, I, it's funny to see the gears turning too. I mean, yeah. I don't know shit about running a gym either. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, usually I'd be talking to a gym owner and, and getting more details. So I would know how to how to <laughs> codify this for them in a, in a way that would make sense. But, you know, let's say that they're like, well, you know, we need to get funding, right? We need to get more funding to be able to build these gyms. We need to hire more people. We need more equipment. Those would all kind of fall into the goals category. So then the question would be, well, what do we do? to fight this epidemic. Well, you know, part of it is education, right? Like we need to not just bring people into the gym and, you know, make them work out. Like we need to teach them about how to eat better. You know, we need to be able to encourage them along their journey because there's definitely going to be highs and lows. You know, you you go work out and you lose a bunch of weight and then you stall and then then what happens? Holidays, like, yeah. vacations, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so the program really has to be built up around sort of a holistic kind of approach and not just saying, here's some weights, pick them up, put them down and leave. You know, <laughs> here's a bike, get on it, spin your legs around for an hour and then and then leave. Like so I'm trying to like on the fly pull different pieces together in real time. No, that's totally I just I uh, guess for people listening, I wanted to give them a real life maybe example of how they can do it themselves. But also like I guess maybe the question that's embedded in this existing question of can you give us an example is like what is the recipe for a good start then? Like what do people who are in the weeds who are just starting with their journey, like what do they need to develop first? Is it they need to develop their vision? Do they need to develop their mission? Is it hacking at storytelling? Like what are the things that need to happen first or the order of operations so that they can have a really great running start? So basically they don't go under, right? It works. 
the business works. I always say, start with your story. And again, it's like, the story is not about you. It's not about how amazing you are. It's about your your customers. So, so you need to position the story and the way that you talk to your customers in a way that relates to them and their problems. Some people might call this empathy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, thinking outside of yourself. So like, for instance, with startups, it's like, they'll always be like, oh, we have this amazing tech. You know, we got blockchain, we got AI, we got crypto. And I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't answer the question in the customer's mind of why the fuck should I care about this? Like, yeah, right. Oh my God. Especially like you go to those websites, like, okay, someone will refer me to a tool or there's some new interesting thing on the market. And I go and I'm like, I don't even understand what the fuck you are. I don't know what you're selling. I don't know what you're doing. You say you have all these products, but nothing actually effectively communicates to me why I should be using you. Like I want to use you. I need tools in my life clearly to run business efficiently, but you're not communicating to me what it is the problem you're solving. So I can't even rely. I can't even pursue further. Right. So start with your story, understand what the story is that you want to communicate to your customers about those products or about those services, understand what the problem that you fix is and communicate that, not all the features and the technology and everything else. Like the only people who care about whether or not you have AI or blockchain is going to be your early adopters. And they're such a small part of the marketplace that it really doesn't make sense to to cater just to those people. Now, some of those people will be evangelists for your brand and whatnot, but the majority of the people who buy your products or services are going to be like, I don't know anything about blockchain. Yeah. Well, no, it's true. Like what I found with most people and even for myself, like people buy for me because they like me and my story. They don't buy because I have this thing figured out or I do all these things or like whatever it is. And even for people who like, for example, people who run like other masterminds or they have coaching programs, like if people are reaching out, asking about all the little details and the features and the structure and all that stuff. And I'm not talking about just surface level, like, Hey, what's included. I'm talking about nitty gritty, annoying questions that they could either do research themselves or like, you know, whatever it is, they're probably not your ideal customer either. (laughs) You don't want to deal with people who are going to be that picky about things because clearly for whatever reason, they haven't resonated enough to then actively purchase with you or actively reach out to you. Yeah. I had a potential customer one time in our business, we kind of test drive uh, customers and we let customers test drive us. And so it's a smaller fee, smaller engagement, but the guy was like, can I get five references? And I was like, dude, like what the fuck? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> no. are we interviewing for a job? Like, yeah, I was bro. like, no, I'm not going to waste my client's time on this. So you can have a 15 to 30 minute conversation with them. Like for the price that I was charging, I was like, this is freaking ridiculous. Like, I'm not doing that. So yeah, there's definitely people who are tire kickers and whatnot. But going back to your original question, you start with your story. You get that straight. You turn your story into copywriting, right? Marketing materials and whatnot. You put it on your website, right? Because your website is essentially Grand Central Station. Anybody who hears about you or meets you or sees an ad or whatever, they're going to do research on you, right? Because that's what people do. So they're going to go right to your website and they're going to want to learn more about you if they're interested in your product. And if you're sitting there not communicating clearly what it is you do, how you can help, how you can solve their problems, how you can make their life easier then they're just going to be confused. Like your experience of visiting that site and going, I don't know what any of this crap does because it's how it's being communicated. That's just a couple of steps that you can start with and start to reevaluate. Another tip I can give too on on that topic is 
change your wording from I, our, us, we, and focus it more on you and your, right? Because that is a different conversation that you're having. One is about the customer and one is about you. And you want to be having the conversation that's about the customer, not so much focused on yourself. Just a quick tip there. I love that. And also it's funny because I feel like in grade school or even college, it was always bad if I used terms like you or I or we. So it's just, yeah, I guess it's now going against the grain a bit <laughs> or yeah. reversal. But I think all the little tidbits that you shared are honestly, I'm going to take it and use it in my own business. But I know a ton of people who are just starting are going to find this really, really valuable. So thank you so much for sharing all of it. One final note that I want to leave off on that I typically ask everyone that I interview on podcasts and just in general conversation, because I'm always curious, but like, if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? Like younger Seth, what would you tell him? I would probably encourage me to look into storytelling a lot earlier. (laughs) It would have saved me, would have saved me a lot of time and confusion, but obviously that's advice for myself. And, And the reason I think that's important is because, you know, it helped me become a better communicator, better at branding, better at marketing, better at copywriting. And it helped solidify a lot of questions that I had in my mind and a lot of confusion. Do you find that it helped in your like personal relationships or personal life too, other than just business? Well, that, that's an interesting question. I mean, I don't mean to pry. I'm just curious because like, I found from a communication perspective, as I've fleshed out this business, it forced me to be a better communicator and effectively like talk about my ideas and stuff, which has helped me, I think, in some regards with my family and setting boundaries with people and my relationship and, and all of that stuff. So I'm just curious if you have maybe the similar, similar type of uh, you know experience. I think ultimately it started helping me communicate my value to clients in my personal life, it didn't change so much because I was already doing the storytelling thing. You know, like I said, mm-hmm. my friend brought me that book and was like, you should read this because you're a storyteller. So I was already doing that. I just wasn't really applying it to business. And I've, I found that in life, sometimes I would totally do one thing in one aspect of my life, and then I would not do that thing in another aspect of my life. Well, that's not, not very uh, consistent. So you know, when I started reading about it and actually applying it, it was like, oh, this is totally natural to me. Like this makes sense. And now I understand, I understand myself better and I understand why I do things the way that I do, whereas I didn't before. So I guess it gave me a better understanding of myself, but it didn't necessarily change any of my relationships. Like you could ask any of my family members and they're like, oh yeah, he's a storyteller. We knew. (laughs) We knew. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. I think for some people, you know, based on this conversation and just, you know, everything that you touched on, they're going to get really great insight on how to take the first starting steps of being a better storyteller and basically putting that strong vision, you know, into their brand, into their business to really get them, as you say, help the 10% of startups so that they don't flunk out basically. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess I'll do a shameless plug. I mean, if you read my book, How to Hack Humans... I was actually going to ask you next. (laughs) You read my mind. I was going to ask, where can people find you? I know for listeners and all of that, they can download your book, the first chapter for free to read. But um, tell us where you're at, where we can find you, what's up with your book. Yeah. So I'm at storifyagency.com. Storify is S-T-O-R-I-F-Y agency.com. And for you know the corporate quitters listening, uh, if you go to slash quitter off of storifyagency.com, you can download the first chapter of the book for free. Learn about the neuroscience stuff so that you know it's not just me 
coming up with a bunch of crazy shit saying, you know, this stuff works. <laughs> you know, the book is on pre-release on Amazon Kindle for 99 cents right now. When it comes out, it'll be $7.99 on Kindles and paperback. And then you can buy the hardcover if you feel real fancy for $14.99. <laughs> and that comes out October 15th. So that's exciting. Yeah. I I gave away so much information in the book for free. Like I said, it, you know, I want to educate people. I want them to know that this isn't just my opinion, right? Like, and I talk about how to tell a good story in the book, but I also give you a ton of actionable information. Here's how to write a story. Here's how you should write emails. Here's how you should put copy on your website. It's all in there. And um, you don't ha- you don't even have to contact me. You could just read the book and start applying it like the minute you finish reading the book. Like I want people to have the ability to do this stuff and start pushing the needle forward in their business. Yeah. But I mean, that goes to show that you, you know, you care and your mission and vision, right? They're all actually legit versus these companies who are like, they're promising, you know, left and right, all these different things, and they're not really centered in their values and all of that. So it just goes to show, you know, you're walking the talk. And I applaud you for that because it's hard to come by for most people. Yeah. I mean, most corporations, their their visions are or what they call a vision. You couldn't even ask most of their employees what they are. Right. Oh, because no. they're just so big. <laughs> I was uh, talking to somebody about this earlier. Like, I had a politics class in high school, and they talked about this concept of glittering generalities that politicians use. They're like, vote for me for a better tomorrow. And it's like, well, a better tomorrow sounds good, but I have no idea what that means. Right. Like, <laughs> and, and, oh my God, it's true. Yeah. And that's, that's what. <laughs> That's what corporations, like a lot of their vision and mission statements are. And they're also like interchangeable. It's like, you just said the same damn thing differently. Whereas I think one, one, one additional point, I think a good vision and mission together are actionable. Like I can wake up every day and go, okay, this is what I'm trying to do. How do I do that better? How do I achieve these things in my business? Well, I know where I want to go. So like I said, I need to start packing, right? Like I need to pull yeah. these things together and and start doing these things so I can get to where I want to go, as opposed to just being like, uh, I showed up to work today. I don't know what to do. And uh, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> like, so yeah, just an extra tidbit there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, like I said, I think people are going to find tremendous value in just you as a person, but also you as like the master storyteller and all these really foundational pieces that'll make, make or break a business. But in this case, we'll make it because you've been educating them. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. (laughs) Oh, good. Good. I'm glad. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Quitter podcast. Make sure to check out corporatequitter.com for extended content and additional information about our guests. To connect with us, stay up to date on all things Corporate Quitter and to learn more about how you can leave the nine to five, follow our host Gabby on Instagram or TikTok at she likes to gab. 